0: Hi, everyone. Before we get started with this podcast, I just want to let you know this is our special Gen Con edition of Random's Thoughts, and it is essentially unedited, so it's a little rougher than usual, but we have some great discussion about the events as well as some interviews with our favorite event organizers. Hey, husband.
1: Yes, wife?
0: How does Harry Potter get to the bottom of a hill? (sighs) Wife. Walking. J.K., rolling. Wow. wife or yeah your wife now so wow. husband what are we doing today
1: take two so I hereby bring this episode of random thoughts into session
0: are you excited husband
1: in case anybody out there was curious that loud bang was my literally my doom hammer hitting the table
0: anyway Welcome to the super short version of Random's Thoughts. By the time most of you are listening to this, we will be in Indianapolis at Gen Con!
1: Super excited. We're gonna be hitting up the airport relatively soon and we're gonna be on our way to, as they like to put it, the best four days in gaming.
0: Yes, we are. Nice nice way to hit the computer with the Doomhammer. Anyway, welcome um we're super excited uh so friday at one o'clock is the wow tcg event and for those of you who didn't catch on the harry potter events start tomorrow well actually some of the uh wow events start tomorrow too but the harry potter giant wars is going to kick off at least my weekend at two o'clock tomorrow if you're there come on down it'll be lots of fun and yeah husband are you ready
1: I'm as ready as I'm going to be. We uh, have spent most of the morning and a good portion of last night trying to find cards which are still missing. I think uh, everybody listening to this probably has had one of those moments where you know you have it. It's in a box somewhere, and I'm sifting through 800 card boxes and 5,000 card boxes, and for the life of me, I can't find two more Cairns.
0: Yes, but it's Cairn, so I think you're good and you can proxy it, because thank you, Will, you are permitting proxies this year and last year.
1: So let's do this, Wife. What are you playing?
0: I am playing my girl Bogmara. I know I talked about not playing my girl Bogmara, but then I just felt like I would be cheating myself. that was a lie. All right, so I'm playing my girl Bogmara. I'm super stoked. So um, what is
1: Bogmara gives a quick rundown, because we don't want to get too far into it. A
0: quick rundown of Bogmara is she is dudes who turn sideways, and they are low-cost dudes who get turned sideways. So
1: when we first started doing deck techs a few months ago now, uh, we had said that Tyrus, we felt, was the best deck, and we do feel that Tyrus is one of, if not the best deck. However, I think the worst-kept secret in Classic is that Bogmara is actually the best deck. It is super explosive, and... I mean, there aren't very many opening hands you can have that will defend against nine-plus power of guys on turn one.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. She does pretty good. I like her. We'll see how she pans out this weekend. Hopefully she has a repeat performance of last year, and I can have a good weekend, just like I did last year.
1: Yeah, I decided to switch it up from last year. Last year I played Death Seer Zoo Garage. Although this time around, I'm playing a deck that I have some history with. The first time I qualified for Continental Champs was, or excuse me, not Continental Champs, Realm Champs was during Drums of War block, and I used Emic the Equalizer, which is a Holy Priest that really is a deck centered around Searing Light. So I have some super secret tech this time around in my boy Anubarak because Emic's Flip is both players discard a card. Well, Anubarak wants to be in the graveyard so that he can recur himself. So I felt it was only fitting. He, now that go ahead, wife.
0: He almost played a deck that was called Holy Cows, and
1: I was about to get
0: there. Well, I'm just saying you could have played something called Holy Cows. To and be fair, you chose not to play Holy Cows.
1: To be fair, there were cow variants. So our testing began like a long time ago. And there were a lot of decks. So one of the first things, and we'll probably do an episode on it, is I thought we had found the next best combo deck in the format. This was before we knew Wonderbolt was going to be legal. But we were basing it around the Portal mechanic from Reign of Fire, the very last set. Now, Portal reads... When this thing, it's attached to Demon Allies, comes into play, or excuse me, I think there's one ability, Nether Rip, that also has Portal on it. Mm -hmm. But when you play something with Portal, it has you reveal the top three cards of your deck and put a Demon with cost less than or equal to that card's cost directly into play. Which, if you're familiar with Magic's Cascade mechanic, it sounds super familiar. Here's the problem. For about two months... Neither of us noticed the less than instead of less than or equal to. So we're playing this deck and it's super ridiculous and it's, it's... blowing everything
0: out. Yeah. And then
1: we're sitting in what like Wegmans or something talking about it. And then yep. we went, wait a minute. That something doesn't seem right. Let me look it up. And then we reread the cards and the actual rules. And it was a super sad moment.
0: Yeah, it went from, oh, this is, how did no one ever see, oh, that's 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 probably
1: why why no one ever saw it, because that's not actually how the card, so to all of you out there, read the card. (laughs) I know it's something silly and it's kind of a recurring joke or meme or whatever you want to say in card games in general, but you have to, even if you think you know the card, read it anyway, because there's no harm in doing it again.
0: Yep, but otherwise, those are our exciting moments.
1: So, aside from that, there were a whole bunch of other decks that we, well, I wanted to play. Wife, I think, even though she was I, telling everyone she wasn't going to play Bogmore, I think she was lying to herself.
0: I almost played Deathwing.
1: Okay, so that actually is a, a good thing to discuss. We have a number of builds based around Deathwing, and some of them were actually really good. So, the reason we even came up with the idea is Hans Ho, who is a former world champion from Germany, and wife met him personally, I met him personally because we were playing him. I think you played him in a uh, starter deck event? I
0: think I played him in starter, in a two-pack. I played him a few times. Um, He was super nice. Yeah, he's a cool dude. And um, I played him when I first started uh, out with the WoW TCG, and... Before that, the only trade card, trading card game experience I had was through Magic, and I wasn't so fond of the Magic people that I had met. Not that like there aren't bad like good people in the Magic of, world, but I hadn't met too many of them, so I was super nervous going into WoW. And I met Hans, and he made me not feel like I wanted to throw up every time I sat down at <laughs> the table.
1: So, Hans ended up uh, being one of my opponents in a side event at Worlds 2013, and I was playing Jasani, which is another deck that I had considered playing this year, because I really loved that deck, and I I felt I was the creator. I'm sure I'm not the only person, because obviously someone else actually played it at Gen Con last year. But he was playing Nicholas Merrick, which is a human fire mage. Now, I had assumed it was going to be some sort of Spellweaver Jahan variant. Well, it turns out it wasn't. He was playing a lot of... You know, playable and strong mage cards—the usual stuff: spell suppression, smoldering blast. The alliance stuff, such as Mikhail the Blunt. Here's the complication. So, I was trying to figure out why are you arcane, or excuse me, why are you fire and not arcane? Why aren't you just playing Spellweaver? Well, I found out when he plays Mirror Image, which puts three zero one tokens into play, that for all intents and purposes, protect your hero. The difference is, is that because it generates multiple permanents, he was able to turn into Deathwing on like turn six, and I have zero ways to deal with it with Jasani. So it was a super cool idea because he's playing all of these mage ongoing abilities, all of which that are, you know, you'd see in a normal mage deck. Maybe there were, I think Everlasting Cold was a weird one because that's an attachment on your opposing hero, and it deals one a turn two if they didn't attack last turn. But it shows up here and there, and there are some, you know, freeze-centric builds that it'll show up in. But for this, I had n- no idea. I was expecting totally something different. And then he slams down Deathwing, and I'm like, I literally can't answer that. What? I, what there's nothing I can do. It's only turned six or eight or whatever it was. Yeah. I can't get to my Master Hero fast enough. I have no permanence. I'm just dead.
0: Yeah. Deathwing is super fun, especially that version of Deathwing. It's just, he comes out super fast, and then you're like, oh, I'll take five a turn. And you don't even have fast.
1: to. Do, I mean, Deathwing is your primary finisher, but you don't have to. You know, you have your other usual blue allies that you could play and play a normal game, chip them down, chip them down, chip them down, and they go, oops, Deathwing. Which, so that led us to say, okay, well, we don't want to copy literally the same deck because we play card games, we want to be a little creative. What else can we use it in? Well, Death Knights get lots of tokens. Hmm. Okay. Well, what about Blood Parasite? That simultaneously keeps you alive and produces four permanents compared to Mirror Images 3 for Deathwing. If you play Horde, you get Nathanos, who's super strong anyway. It kind of fits in with the same theme of play good cards and then just happen to catch your opponent with Deathwing. And the ideas started rolling and rolling, and it was winning a lot. And then we remembered that Vault was legal.
0: And once we started testing against Vault, there was just... There wasn't much left to be done.
1: So our goals going in really were we want to beat Tyrus, because we think it really is one of, if not the best deck. We want to beat Werewolves, because it's a super strong, aggressive deck. And we want to beat Wondervolt because it's kind of the X factor here. And unfortunately, in my opinion, WonderVolt invalidates certain classes, let alone yeah. certain deck types. So Death Knight, for example, if you are not playing Monster, because in Monster you have access to Commander Wolfhawk, you basically can't answer Wonderful, They can go off whenever they want. You're never going to pressure them enough to finish the game before they combo out. You know, of course, barring all four Krabby Fins are on the bottom of their deck. Let me tell you what's happened more than once to me. But if you can't pressure them, so they have all data set up. You need to disrupt them, which you have no way to do because you don't have discard. You don't have any way to, to go target specific allies. And strangely enough, Death Knights have very, very few instants that can actually deal with allies. Now, in the cases that they have, they're all susceptible to fizzle. And since you don't have anything else that the Wonderful deck cares about countering, they're just going to hold the counters. And they can end the game instantly with Roll, Roll, Roll. So, or they could just go off at the end of your turn with Presence of the Mind. So you really, your only options are Canis of the Shadow, if you're red, or you could play Hailstorm, if you have a way to discard it. Problem is, is that they run Rituals of Power, and they can just deactivate your quest when they're ready to go off. Long story short, it became super tough to get something to beat all three decks. So we had a Medivh Ramp deck. We had all these Deathwing decks. We had I swear I had a cow variant that was for every class. All yeah. all ten classes I it had was, a cow variant.
0: I really liked all the cows. We had sneaky cows.
1: Sneaky cows, which is as you would imagine. So we had sneaky cows, stormy,
0: stormy cows, stormy cows,
1: cows, holy cows, uh,
0: Undead cows. Yeah,
1: undead cows, unholy cows, etc. It just keeps going. So point is is that the the cow builds were very portable from class to class, because it's basically you run your core cows, Kahul Juru, 6-2. You run extra quests, and in a lot of cases you had to cough up your location so that you squeeze in enough quests to make sure that 6-2 got you a bunch of card advantage. And then you fill in the blanks with whatever the class specific things were. Although a lot of ours came down to we're running to Tula so that we could deal with abilities and equipment. We're running Chromarius, if there wasn't something extra there from the class, so, you know, Priest had a press, or, you know, Mage would have Spell Suppression, Warlock would have Banished the Nether, but Warrior or Death Knight wouldn't, so they would have to slot other things in. You didn't have to run Tuskar Kite, because 6-2 is your Tuscar Kite, and turns all of your cows into Tuskar Kites. Yeah. Now I want to play this deck, because I'm getting excited talking about <laughs> it again.
0: Yeah, no, you're not allowed to change your mind again. Husband changes his mind when it comes to building these decks about every 30 seconds. And about what he's going to play about every 15 seconds.
1: The the issue that we ran into was as we were testing, like I said, my goals were beat werewolves, beat tyrus, beat Wondervolt. Problem is, is I could only ever beat two out of the three in general, and I don't know if anyone's actually going to show up with Wondervolt or tyrus or werewolves for that matter. Yeah. So, for example, Stormy Cows was running Rimblat, which is the Argent Crusade Shaman. But he is Argent Crusade Rep, which limits a lot of things. And then he's also Elemental, which limits a lot of things. So it would beat up on Tyrus and Wondervolt because his flip is remove a Shaman in your graveyard from the game. As you would imagine, there are a lot of Cow Shaman and other good Shamans anyway. So I'd get a Shaman in the graveyard early, and then I, could, I can destroy Unholy Power or Wondervolt immediately. Problem is, after that, if you play Werewolves, It was like 99 to 1. I would never beat it on the draw. Going first, maybe, but I didn't want to leave it up to the die roll. So I was just getting smashed. So then I said, okay, well we'll play... I had actually an Illidan Stormrage deck that was based off Jonas the Red. So it's a control rogue that goes super late game, finishes with a Master Hero and uses Vengeful Gladiator's Vestments to interrupt virtually every card you play. Well, problem is is that great that smashed werewolves. It would dominate Wonderbolt because you had like a million instance plus discards to to deal with their combo. Oh wait, Tyrus because they'll randomly top deck. <laughs> there was one game where they top deck consecutively four unholy powers turn after turn after turn after turn, and it just got dumb.
2: Yeah.
0: Um. I I remember his uh. Rage after that one. That was pretty fun. But um, otherwise, Husband, were there any other decks that we're thinking we're going to see this week?
1: What I expect to see is there's... Well, <laughs> did we find out a final count?
0: I believe we still only have eight people signed up, but if you're going to be there, come on down anyway.
1: Exactly. So assuming that we have a smaller count, I'm expecting at least one Werewolf deck. I'm expecting at least one Tyrus deck. I'm kind of expecting one Wondervolt. Then there's your Bogmara, my Emic, so that's five. The other three mystery contestants could be probably a plate class. I'm expecting some sort of tank man or death wish, probably. And then probably two more rogue decks. Not rogue as in the class, but things that are unexpected. So last year we there were a number of things, yeah. but uh, you know, there was a nature damage-based deck, because I I think that could port to multiple classes. You have Earth and Moon and Druid. You have Aspect of the Wild in Hunter, and you have, there's probably a million things in Shaman that boost it. Um, I honestly am expecting two to four people to pick their favorite pet card and say, I'm building a deck around that, kind of like what I do.
0: Yeah, what you always do, and it always has a noob always. Not
1: always. The cow decks didn't have it. They started out with it. but they And you were running. so
0: upset that they didn't have a new in though.
1: Yeah, but I also was literally playing cows from turn two onward in True. some of them. And it was hilarious. Because if you don't know what kahul does...
0: Go it, look up kahul. Yeah. Just don't even tell them. Just go look up
1: Cahool. Go look up kahul and then think of Cairn. Hard casting Cairn after you look up kahul. Yeah. And think about how funny that is against so many different things. Yeah. So, I don't know. There, there's a number of things that over the next weeks after Gen Con, we're going to talk about what we see, what other ideas people had. I'm sure people are going to be talking about, oh, well, I wanted to bring this, but whatever. We're going to go over some of that stuff. We're going to have future deck techs. We may, we're may. we going to try and introduce a new segment called Build Around, where basically we're going to pick a concept or a card or an idea or whatever, and talk about how we would build the deck around it. So I think Cows is probably going to be early on the list. Mm -hmm. So that we can go into depth about it, but not really review an exact deck list the way we did with the deck text. Kind of a more, you know, put the idea out there, see what people think, and then, you know, everyone, all of you valued listeners, tell us what your versions of it are. Or do you have similar ideas? Do you think it's a terrible idea? Whatever. And we have a bunch of other things in store that we're going to try and do. We'd like to hopefully get a tournament report with pictures of what's going on from the event up and, you know, as much as we can so that everybody out there who couldn't make it can feel like they were there and they were a part of the event.
0: Yep, and um, we'll also be doing that for uh, the Harry Potter events. Um, And... And we're hopefully
1: going to have some special interviews for people.
0: Yes. So if you... We don't want to
1: promise anybody just because we don't know what the acoustics are going to be like physically
0: at the event. But we're going to do our best and we'll figure it out as we go.
1: Exactly. We kind of wing it all the time anyway.
0: Pretty much. So, as we say in our hometown.
1: Our hometown?
0: I don't know. I'm stealing it from Hank and John. What? Don't Ooh. worry about it. I'm wife. And I'm husband. See you at Gen Con. So next up is my interview with Stefan, who runs the Harry Potter events at Gen Con. Alright, so we have just finished, well, I guess it's the second Harry Potter event. Would that be correct? The First one for
2: me, second one for you, right? Yeah,
0: second one. All right, so I guess to start it off, who are you?
2: I am Stefan Giovanni Croissant. I am an Italian-American. I live in Chicago. I'm a designer. I love cats.
0: All right. I, um, I, I know <coughs> many Italian-Americans, but I don't know any who love cats, so you win on that one. All right, so... Um, What got you started, well, I guess, what events are you running here at Gen Con 2017, the 50th anniversary of Gen Con?
2: Um, Let's see. This year, I'm running only one Learn to Play, which was condensed from uh, two events last year down to uh, eight players each, condensed down to 16 players at once. Um, That was a handful. I will not do that again. Lots of people. Lots of people. um, Lots of kids. uh, And uh, let's see. We have... We just finished up Giant Wars. uh, Which is a 100 card Singleton Highlander type style deck. um, Constructed. Then we have two cube events. Um, Tonight will most likely end up being a sealed event with only four players signed up. And tomorrow, uh, we have a full eight, so there'll be a a draft. And Squib, which is a peasant-slash-pauper-style deck with no starting character, um, which has lower attendance than I was expecting this year.
0: Yeah, I think it's at a rough time slot for a lot of people, it, we're saying.
2: Yeah, um, it's right around, right after lunch or right before lunch on Friday, which is seems very hard. Yeah. Um, and I know that there's actually quite a few people that I think are just coming for Saturday. Um,
0: which is, drumroll.
2: The 2017 World Championship.
0: So we're so excited for that, for the world championship of Harry Potter again.
2: Um, I'm, I'm very excited. I, You know, last year we had uh, 13. Previous year we had 13. Um, but as of uh, 3 a.m. last night, we have 15 this, this year with just one slot open, um, which will potentially be filled. Um
0: it should be so exciting, and hopefully we can get a full event. Um, and do we think Josiah is going to take it again with his super um, secret tech?
2: I don't know. I, I, He hasn't given me any clues uh, in terms of what he's playing, but he... He played a very broken deck the first year I ran the championship, which I think he was winning very consistently on turn four through six. Um,
0: Seems pretty solid.
2: So if... And he, he didn't think that anything needed to be banned that year. But with him saying that, that something needs to be banned this year... Uh yeah, I'm I'm a little worried.
0: Yeah okay well we're gonna have to see what happens on Saturday and we might get a quick live interview, well, a in hall interview with you and Josiah to see what happens afterwards. But um, what got you started with the Harry Potter TCG?
2: Um, so there was, I think it was 2011. 2012, there was an event, um, and I can't remember his name, so I'm sorry if you somehow come across this, (laughs) Um, but he ran a, I don't want to say it was a learn to play, but it was like an open free play, and he had built um, quite a few different constructed decks, uh, which sadly I think were very... um, horrible, but the the game, like, I, I mean, I could see through the, how kind of inadequate the decks were, and how the mechanics worked of the game, and I had a lot of fun, <clears throat> um, so much so that I believe I went into the dealer's hall uh, right after the event, the event, and I think I spelled, uh, spent somewhere around $300. Oh, my lord.
0: Especially um, at that point when it was pretty
2: cheap. Y- yes, my... <laughs> yes. Um, I had to buy a, an extra bag <clears throat> to carry the booster boxes in home.
0: That's fantastic.
2: Uh, my girlfriend was not happy about me spending that much money on a dead trading card game. But...
0: But it's worked out in the long run. Yeah.
2: So we're what, still together.
0: What made you want to run an event?
2: Um... So, I think it was that that same year that her, uh, Monica, and I played in a few events by the Star Trek continuing community. And uh, I I felt like that's what was missing for the game. Um, I kind of realized that, why not just try and run my own event? I've never... I've never run an event like this before, <clears throat> and I had no idea what I was doing. Um, when I set the event up, I think I set it, set it up for eight players originally. So that, that first year I only had a Learn to Play and uh, the World Championship, and I had no idea. I think I set it for eight players. Uh, Gen Con accepted the the event, but they bumped it up to 16 players. And I was like, oh, well, uh, I'll be happy if I get four. Uh... And when I got 13, and when I had people messaging me on Facebook or the uh, board game geek saying that they were buying a badge just on Saturday to come play, I knew that I had something in terms of starting to build a community.
0: And I think you've done an excellent job of that. So let's do a quick plug for the Facebook group which is Harry Potter TCG, and your website, which is...
2: HarryPotterTCG.com
0: So, those are some good quick plugs. It's a really... I think it's a really active community as far as defunct TCG school.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm part of a few. And uh, they just respond right away, which is great.
0: Mm. Um, do you have any goals for next year's event?
2: Mm. I'm starting to consider if if we want to upgrade the amount of entrance for the championship to 24. Um, I'm going to cut the squib. I'm going to keep Giant Wars. Um, I think I might try and play around with some rules in Giant Wars. See if there's some way to kind of really give it a lot of energy. Um, And if I somehow find time I would like to uh, release the first virtual set. Um, I started to give like some preliminary designs, awesome. uh, sketch out some ideas for interactions and whatnot. But um, you know, I, I, I think it's going to have to be probably small, just to see how people respond to it. Um, Sounds good. Well, yeah.
0: that seems like some pretty awesome goals. So now for some of our, well, semi-kooky questions. If you were a card in this game, what would you be?
2: Hmm. You know, I was thinking about it, and um, I think I would either be, it'd be one of two. One, uh, Dobby's Disappearance, because I love that card. It's a and... Solid card. Um, I I think it's just funny, and probably the second would be, which might be actually my um, favorite card. Probably actually, it, it would have to say uh, picking on Neville.
0: So yeah.
2: I think I think picking on Neville is a kind of sums me up. I'm very <laughs> I'm very trolly, and uh, yeah.
0: Awesome. Well. Do you have any shout-outs? And if you don't say Monica, she's going to be mad, so I would say I Monica. know. I'm
2: going to say Monica. Yeah. Um,
0: I mean, you can have more shout-outs
2: than just Monica, <laughs> but yeah. You know, Monica, uh, huge shout-out to Monica, because honestly, um, without her, I wouldn't be able to do this. I mean, I know that uh, she wouldn't say that, but she, she truly does help me a ton. Um, second would be probably the Chicago crew. Um, I've got Edric and Lindsay, um, and some, some Magic player friends, uh, David and Greg and Kyle, um, and I guess even Phil. Uh, they've helped me kind of with the, especially with the cube to kind of wean it down and get it to where I think is optimal, um, which took a lot. For a fair amount of time and playing around with, which helps a lot. Um, and shout out to everyone in Poland.
0: Yeah, they have a big group there. Well, at least there seems to be people going there pretty strong. Yeah.
2: And shout out to the Italian, Italian crew too. Uh, I'm not as active as I should be on, on the Italian, Italian Facebook group. If anyone is actually reading this from Europe uh, or listening to this on, in Europe... I would recommend uh, joining the Harry Potter TCG Italian group. Um, there's quite a few members. Uh, they're spread all over Italy, uh, north and south. Um, but there's even some other players, I think, from well, like me, from uh United States. But there, I think there are some that are from France and Belgium. Uh, it seems like there's a decently active community in Italy.
0: Well... Thank you very much, Stefan. Thank you. Um, We appreciate all you do, and we're hoping to include more Harry Potter in this podcast and expand, really, the podcast itself. So thank you so much, and we'll see you playing games later
2: tonight. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Now we have Husband's interview with Logan, who runs the WoW events at Gen Con. We're very grateful to him for giving an interview. I will warn you all, this was recorded in the uh, CCG hall. It's a little loud, so you might want to turn the volume down just a bit.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Random Thoughts, supplemental number two. Sure. We'll go with supplemental number two. I'm here, this is husband, I'm here with wife, and I'm also here with a very special guest. Can you introduce yourself?
3: Hello, audience. I'm William Logan Dyer. You can call me Logan. I'm the one who's been running events last year and this year. Uh, I think we were pretty successful. Oh,
1: they've been very successful. And first off, I want to say on behalf of what remains of the WoW TCG community and what will hopefully be a growing community, thank you for putting these on. It's a lot of effort, and I know there's a lot of work that goes into it, and it really means a lot to us, the players.
3: Yeah, uh, I'm really excited because, first and foremost, I'm a player myself. Um, the end goal would probably be for me to get to the point where I don't have to host anything and I can go back to just playing.
1: See, now that would be fun. I saw you getting inside games in between the rounds.
3: Yeah, um, basically I had a couple of players who had buys after uh, a drop in round two. Um, and, you know, why have people sitting around when there's another player who could be getting a game in with them?
1: Exactly. So let's move into and learn a little bit about you. So you already told us who you were. Where are you from and how did you get started with WoW? Uh,
3: well, so I'm from Oklahoma. Uh, played mostly around the Stillwater University area. Um, I got started in the Dark Portal set actually here at Gen Con. Uh, That year, the swag bags were completely insane, and they were just (laughs) everywhere. There were Dark Portal starter decks in the swag bags.
1: I did not even know that existed. (laughs) Yeah,
3: and uh, it was actually possible to just go grab swag bags, so I think I got like a couple of boxes for free by the end of the convention when Dark Portal was new, which it wasn't like a fantastic set or anything, but it was a good way for me to get started. So did
1: you get started, did you come from WoW the game proper, or were you a card game player, or both, or how, how did that work?
3: So i played Warcraft 3, and it's pre rolls yes. <laughs> but I have literally never played the World of Warcraft Warpack. To this um, day?
1: Yes. Wow.
3: I've never played Hearthstone either.
1: You, sir, are a unicorn. <laughs> I will, <laughs> because there are not many people who have not at least tried it. Yeah. Uh,
3: well. I tend to have mostly physical hobbies. I do play games on my computer, but it's not how I spend the majority of my free time. Um, I actually did play Magic and a couple of other card games before WoW. Um, I've been playing Magic off and on since back in Urza's Block, and uh, I don't tend to ever leave anything alone, as evidenced (laughs) by the fact that I'm still interested in playing WoW years after it's out of print. There's like three or four card games that I still play that have been out of print for even longer than WoW. I know how
1: that story goes because his wife will and has on multiple occasions our basement is covered in cardboard that it has pretty pictures on it but they're not worth that much
3: yeah um i don't know you don't do it because they're highly collectible and might be worth uh, you know selling at some point in the future you do it because you love it you know if you have kids who inherit these things later on and they're worth something in 100 years time, great for them, Um, but that's not the benefit that you and I are trying to get out of it. Exactly. So let's
1: move into what made you want to, I don't know, probably hate yourself at the end of the day for how much work you gotta put in. This has gotta be, I can't imagine the amount of effort that has to go into both putting the event on, actually running it, doing all the bookkeeping stuff with, with Gen Con proper getting the website up, doing the Facebook group, like, what made you want to dive in and put this on your shoulders?
3: Uh, Well, simply put, I want the card game to be around so that I can play. And I'm the kind of person who, if I see the absence of something that I want in my life, uh, I usually don't go out and buy it. I just start making it. Uh, It's a good way to do it. (laughs) So... This is just the simplest end game for the problem that I'm trying to address. Sounds good. Pretty, the,
1: <laughs> what the result of your labors, as I started out with, is much appreciated, and we're very happy to be able to participate in these, and everybody else seemed to be having a great time, both last year and this year.
3: Well, uh, I hope that everybody has uh, a lot of fun playing. You know, the number one objective right now is to just keep growing the events. Right. Um, Expand the one here at Gen Con. uh, Maybe add a third tournament. I don't know if that's the way things will go. I'm kind of thinking I'm going to keep it limited to a couple of days during the con so that it's not just all wow the whole time because people come here to do a variety of things
1: exactly Um,
3: but also maybe look into adding events in other places either at other established conventions or setting up our own events through the community to be held at sort of centralized places.
1: See that would be fantastic and kind of answers my next question which was what is going to be next year's goal so would you say that the big goal for next year is maybe try to grow to either a new event or a new area? Whether it's you personally running everything or conscripting some additional labor.
3: Right. Well, uh, as far as I'm concerned, everybody who's involved is already conscripted labor, okay? <laughs> uh, whether or not they know it, because just by playing the game and sharing their experiences, they are uh, participating in improving that community involvement and engagement um, and creating sort of a little bit of publicity for what we're doing. Right. Um, I'll tell you the. The big problem that I foresee is that there's not really a um, professional. I'm trying to think of organization.
1: Right.
3: No. I'm not sure. Um, quite sure where you want to go with it. There, there's no professional endorsement. You know, ah. I, I've tried to get in touch with uh, both uh, Blizzard and Crypto- Cryptozoic uh, about the game. Um, they're very close-lipped about uh, the As status of the game. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully, I can get some attachment from that. The best avenue is probably going to end up being uh, working with the uh, tournament players and developers that were also part of the player community before the game ended.
1: Makes Uh, sense. I'm
3: I'm friends and associates with a number of those people, and we've sort of talked off and on. Right. Um, But uh, I think that... uh, I don't know, if I, if I was really looking for some conscription, it would be a web developer. Okay. I, I want like our own website, uh, something where we can go for everything that we're doing.
1: Well, you heard it in here folks, if you happen to be a web developer, or even if you're just starting out, I'm sure there's some way that we could definitely use some help in one aspect or another. So I do have a surprise question for you that wasn't on the list. So like I said earlier, you were playing. If you were to play today, so if you were not running the event, what would you have played? Was it the deck you were playing in between rounds or something else?
3: Well, so between rounds, I was playing Og, the uh, Warrior Mage Monster Hero. At uh, which it's not the Strikeout Og that was played in core. It's actually uh, Flickers from the past style Og. Uh, I was also playing uh, a variant on Blue Deathwish. Um, okay. But if I were to play in the tournament today, I probably would have played my Roardag the Sly, subtle AF deck. Uh,
1: Can you give us a little bit about sure. history
3: on that one? Well, so if anybody in your audience knows Michael Barnes, um, he was somebody that I spent a lot of time playing and practicing with when the when the game was alive, and. Um, he introduced me to an original deck concept he had during the like, first Max season okay. for a subtlety deck built around the powerful card Deadliness. Right. Uh, at the time, it was a troll deck, and it was a very sort of grindy, long-game deck, played like Band of Vile Aggression to eliminate resources. Right, right. Uh, the deck that I've assembled is much more flexible in how fast its tempo play goes. Um, That's partly due to later card releases like Shadow Dance and Poach. Um, Makes sense. But something that the deck does uh, that's unique to the blue version is the combination of Dagger of Betrayal and Angelista.
1: That is clever.
3: um, Which, for anybody who doesn't know those cards, Dagger of Betrayal is your pretty basic two-cost, one-strike, two-attack dagger, but it also has tap, target opponent chooses an ally they control and exchanges control of it with Dagger of Betrayal um, where uh, Angelista then comes in and her text is to at the end of your turn return target equipment to its owner's hand <laughs> uh, and she's a 2-2 stealth rogue so she also plays into um, an occasional lesson of stealth Lesson, of, I think it's lesson of stealth but I'm not sure the, the rogue... less like,
1: into shadows? Maybe so, yeah. Okay. Uh, I could be wrong on that. i but, sure.
3: but more importantly, uh, she's a rogue for Jorak Ravenholt. Ooh,
1: uh, I like it.
3: Yeah. Uh, and the deck is built around combos like that and enveloping shadows and deadliness. Fantastic. So it can really tackle any kind of permanent threat, uh, as well as having the hand disruption for the
1: Makes sense. That deck sounds pretty nasty, and in retrospect, I'm kind of glad that you weren't playing today, because if you were running that, it would have got ugly. So, one last question that we had for you, at least on our list, is... So, if you were a card, this is kind of a silly one, but if you were a card in the game, and you got to be someone, whether it's an ally, an ability, it sounds like you may be leaning towards rogue abilities or rogue allies. Is that where you would fall, or what do you think you would do?
3: Uh, No... I give that impression because of the deck that I wanted to play today, but I, probably ninety percent of my constructed games of WoW have been Warrior. Ah, okay. Um, I would probably be. I don't, let's see. Case, I guess I would be an armor that pumped out tokens of some kind.
1: Interesting. Maybe, so like they splinter off and make shards.
3: Uh, maybe like maybe like a ballistic armor kind of thing, where every time you prevent damage with it, it falls uh, into smaller tokens, like Godzilla, but armor. That's a
1: pretty cool concept, and I have a feeling that somewhere in the world of Warcraft that armor exists and we could certainly become a card. They got us some weird stuff, so I'm sure something is along those lines. So just since we're going to roll this into some other interviews and some other podcasts, and we don't want to hold up all your time, where can people find you? Where can we learn more about what you're doing, or is there anything else you want to give a shout-out to?
2: Sure.
3: Uh, Well, the number one place is, of course, the Retro Wow TCG Facebook group. Uh, I can also be contacted at the email retrowowtcg at bluehost dot com. I actually have a domain registered, but there's nothing there right now. Okay, no problem. Um, And if you want to find me on Twitter, I am at Dire Moment. That's Dire as in dangerous. So (laughs) D I R E.
1: Sounds good. Well, ladies and gentlemen, out there in TV land, this is Wife and Husband coming at you from Gen Con 2017. I'm Husband. I'm Wife. And I'm Logan.
0: Hi, everyone. If you like the show, and if you want to see some of our deck lists written out, or some of our other thoughts about the game, please visit us at our website, randomsthoughts.wordpress.com. Again, that's randomsthoughts.wordpress.com. And you can also email us at randomsthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. Hope to hear from you soon.